it's uncontroversial to say that when you break the speed limit, you're going to pay a fine. Or that if you litter, you should pay a penalty. That all makes sense, doesn't it? And I say this because I don't understand why the same simple rules aren't also applied to corporations. And today, within that world of corporations, I want to talk about luxury cruises first. So luxury cruises involve giant boats that take you to perfect vacation spots, or at least that's what they say, to unplug from the chaos of everyday life without ever having to wait in line anywhere, including at airports, for example, or drag bags from hotel to hotel. So I can understand why people might like luxury cruises. What I don't get is why 47, just 47 of the cruise ships owned by the world's largest cruise operator, a company called Carnival Corporation, are permitted to emit more sulfur dioxide in European waters than all of Europe's 260 million cars combined. So that's 47 cruise ships polluting more in terms of sulfur dioxide than all of Europe's 260 million cars. It's just incredible. And it's even more incredible because guess how much they pay for emitting all that poison. That's right. They don't pay anything. Zero. They are allowed to pollute free of charge. And this thing, sulfur dioxide, is not just any poison. It causes irritation of the nose, irritation of the throat, nausea, vomiting, and stomach pain. It also damages your airways and your lungs. Now, why is it that these ships are allowed to pollute freely and not pay a penny for any of it? Now, that company I refer to, the owner of these 47 boats, Carnival Corporation, is actually a big, bad company. It owns in total more than 100 boats, and it's got 10 different brands, and you might have heard of some of them. Carnival Cruise, Holland America, Princess Cruise, Cunard, Seaborn, etc. And what I love about that company is that it's just shameless. So since 2002, which is 20 years ago, Carnival has been paying heavy fines for breaking the law. But they've only been paying fines when they were caught red-handed and by mistake. So in 2016, for example, Carnival paid $40 million. At that time, the largest criminal penalty ever imposed for international pollution by a ship because it was illegally dumping oil-contaminated waste into the sea. And then it was trying to cover it up. Then in 2019, that's just three years ago, they were ordered to pay an additional $20 million for violating their probation terms. 
So in other words, they were illegally dumping oil contaminated waste into the sea again. And what I want you to perhaps take away from this is that the luxury cruise industry is really just a stinking, floating dumpster. All of it. Friends of the Earth, an NGO, ranks 18 major cruise ship companies based on four different environmental criteria. And guess how many of these 18 major cruise ship companies have an A? None. A B? Just one. A C? Just one. And then six have a D and 10 have a flat F. You won't be surprised if I told you that all of Carnival Corporation's brands received an F. Of course they did. Welcome to episode 60 of the Angry Clean Energy Guy with me, Asad Razouk. I am so happy you're here. Thank you. What I was talking about, luxury cruise ships, is just a tiny little segment of the shipping industry. Now, the luxury cruise ships are more visible because they look like floating cities and they tend to dock near where we live if we live in cities by the sea. But the pollution machines they represent are replicated across pretty much 100% of the 90,000 ship strong industry, all the shipping industry. And shipping is likely the least regulated sector in the world in terms of emissions as well. It's not just one of the worst polluters in the world across the board, it's also probably the least regulated sector in the world in terms of climate change impact. Now, it's somewhat hidden as a sector because their pollution is out of sight. You don't see it. It's far out at sea. And so it's also out of mind. Conveniently to them, because it's the high seas, it's generally out of reach of any government as well. And so what do they do? They cut corners at every opportunity. They save money they should not be saving at every opportunity. And the oceans and us pay the price. So to start with, the industry uses the dirtiest possible fuel to power their ships. Of course they do. The ship that they use, if you can believe it, is a hundred times more polluting than diesel because it basically burns a kind of oil which is a waste product from oil refining. It's something that even the oil refiners don't want. Think about it as taking French fries and then frying them a hundred times. And then compare these with those you've just fried once. They both might give you cholesterol, but the differential impact is massive between the two. And this bunker fuel that the shipping industry uses is an environmental nightmare. It's 
if you see it, it's pitch black, it's thick, it's heavy, it's toxic, it doesn't evaporate, and it contains more poison than other fuels because it's full of that sulfur that I was referring to earlier. And that sulfur, when you burn it, pollutes all of us and the environment. And it's not just us. It's poisonous to fish as well. They aren't good for seabirds. And they're certainly the worst for humans living near ports. Because the emissions, they travel. They don't just stay there. And they travel hundreds of kilometers. All one really needs to know is that the industry emits a staggering amount of poison. And that 70% of shipping emissions occur within 400 kilometers of land. So they might be hiding on the high seas, but there's a lot of harm that they do much closer to home. Ironically, by the way, this is an indirect subsidy to the oil and gas sector. Why? Because if the shipping industry wasn't buying that waste product from refining oil, the oil and gas industry would have to do something with it and it would have to dispose of it safely, which is an extremely expensive proposition. I tried to find a proper number for the cost of that subsidy and estimates are hard to come by, but ballpark, it's about $450 billion worth. That's billion in avoided cleanup costs, which the oil and gas industry did not have to pay for because the shipping industry is taking its garbage and fueling ships with it. Now then, the industry dumps its plastic in the open oceans. Of course it does. And it dumps its trash and its excess oil and dirty wastewater. So that's sewage that they barely treat before just dumping it full of toxic contaminants, bacteria, and heavy metals, if you can believe it. And then all of that, of course, goes and harms the marine ecosystems. And if that weren't enough, the shipping industry is also responsible for about 1 billion tons of carbon a year. So if you think about that as a country, it would be number six in the world in terms of carbon emissions pollution. And these emissions aren't going down. They're actually going up. And they are expected to be up to five times higher over the next three decades. Now, at the same time, you'll hear that shipping is incredibly important because 90% of global trade travels around on ships. And that's correct. So every day, the stuff in your supermarket, in your car dealerships, in your shopping centers is coming to you via ships, or at least nine out of 10 items shipped halfway around the world are sent on boats. And so what's the problem? Important industry, which is basically gone rogue and polluting at will and hardly paying any price. You would think somebody's watching that shop. Well, actually, there is somebody. It's called the International Maritime Organization. But 
as you've probably guessed, the International Maritime Organization, or IMO, isn't really doing much at all. It's clearly not fit for purpose. So here is how its website, IMO's website, describes it. It describes it as the United Nations Specialized Agency with responsibility for the safety and security of shipping and the prevention of marine and atmospheric pollution by ships. That's from their own website. I suggest they rewrite that as soon as possible. And what they really should be saying is, and here's a suggestion for a rewrite, it's the United Nations Specialized Agency with complete lack of responsibility for the safety and security of shipping, and the UN agency absolutely not interested in doing anything at all about the prevention of marine and atmospheric pollution by ships. And frankly, they'd be doing themselves a favor because their current description on their website is grossly misleading. And the problem with IMO is that the way it's structured internally and the way it works is riddled with contradictions and weighed down by lobbying. Why? Because they've got industry interests allowed to participate in the decision-making and deciding what the industry should be doing. And so they've institutionalized inertia. They just work very, very, very slowly and preferably to do very, very little or even better, nothing. And I'll give you an example of how bad, tragically bad, IMO is. It has not managed to negotiate a reduction in emissions and has no teeth to stop the 90,000 vessels from polluting it well. It also is incapable of stopping them from dumping their toxic garbage into oceans. And none of their stories really are nice to read. So in 2020, for example, two years ago, hard on the heels of major oil spills, which you may remember in Mauritius, Venezuela, and Russia at that time, plus a super tanker exploding off Sri Lanka and a gigantic cargo explosion that flattened Beirut, the IMO greenlit a package of fuel efficiency measures that guarantees rising emissions until at least 2030. And that's just a reminder of how little they care and of IMO's ability to operate with complete impunity. It really needs to be restructured or closed. I really have very little good to say about them. They continue to resist setting a net zero target by 2050. They've postponed until 2023 through bureaucratic machinations, efforts by some of the member states to force IMO to set net zero targets. And all of this can't be right. If we citizens dirty the places where we live and work, we pay fines. And ships should be paying very large fines for what they're doing. So why is it that the citizen is always asked to be fair to other citizens, but corporations can do what they like? I don't understand it. 
The only piece of good news in all this is that an incredible 40% of everything we move by ship is oil, gas, or coal. And we move it to burn it at destination to produce stuff or to provide us with electricity and heat. Then we go off and get some more of it by ship. And then we burn it again and go and get some more by ship. And so if we were able to move into a world powered almost entirely by renewable energy, and the only thing stopping us is political will, then we would instantly cut global shipping volumes by almost half. And that's without waiting for IMO to do anything. Almost half of the pollution of the industry gone, just because we're no longer shipping as much oil, gas, or coal around the world. So what does that industry need to do? To tackle emissions, every major shipping company should publicly commit to decreasing its greenhouse gas emissions to net zero by, I don't know, 2040 at the latest. They should then be publishing exactly what they're doing about it, what solutions they're implementing, and what progress they're making. They could follow the lead of Maersk, the world's second largest shipping line, which is really at the forefront of kind of good behavior in that industry. Because this year, Maersk, for example, accelerated its carbon neutrality goal by 10 years. So they moved it up from 2050 to 2040. And by doing that, they clearly signaled to everybody else that we can have zero emission shipping. And not only that, in the case of Maersk, their carbon neutrality goal covers all of their supply chain, not just their ships. Now, most importantly, perhaps, Maersk decided to skip one of the industry's propaganda lines, which is that they're going to transition away from this extremely dirty bunker oil to natural gas and therefore take advantage of natural gas as a transition fuel, a favorite propaganda line of the oil and gas industry. So Maersk went out and said, we're not doing that. Instead, we're going to get methanol-powered cargo ships starting in 2024, and we're going to source green methanol to fuel our ships, and we're just going to skip that gas greenwashing step. And what the industry needs to do is follow their lead. And they need to do that very fast, preferably with a revamped regulator and with IMO either restructured or closed. If you look up recent articles on this topic, you'll see a fascinating collection about this LNG-powered ships transition fuel business that I was referring to. Unsurprisingly, it turns out that methane leaks from ships using liquefied natural gas as fuel make the ships dirtier 
than ones using diesel or even heavy fuel oil. And the reason it's not surprising is because of leakage across the natural gas value chain from extraction to transportation. And you know what the best part is? That ship powered by LNG leaks more than 3% of LNG as it travels. And what that means is it's a traveling methane leak machine. And that methane goes straight up into the atmosphere, has a global warming potential of 80 times CO2, and just makes everything worse. And so this conversation about the shipping industry moving to LNG is just greenwashing of the first degree. It's very ballsy greenwashing. It's very aggressive greenwashing. And I can't believe people just buy into it. And the key takeaway is this. LNG ships on the market today are worse than the extremely bad ships that they are supposed to replace. And look, what the industry needs to do is not that difficult. First, they need to be regulated to stop the pollution in our cities that they generate. And so to do that, when they dock in a port, they must be forced to use electricity from onshore sources. So plug the boat into an electric plug, use that electricity to power the ship while it's just sitting around. And if they don't have the kit to do that, they should be retrofit at their owner's expense to do that. And if the port doesn't have the electrification infrastructure, then the port needs to be retrofit at the shipping company's expense as well. Instead, what do they do? The overwhelming majority of ships keep their diesel engines on, so that's the backup engine to the dirty fuel engine, and they spew pollution freely. Nitrogen oxides, ozone toxics, air toxics, and particulate matter. And they're happy. Why are they happy? Because they're saving tons of money. Marine fuel costs are cheaper than electricity because pollution isn't accounted for. And so we have to pay for it. And guess what? We pay for it with our health, with contingent liabilities in our healthcare system. So governments need to ensure that the IMO's hands are forced into requiring onshore power. And governments should make sure that the shipping industry pays the bill for all that. There is still a lot to be done on air pollution from shipping, even in sophisticated markets from an environmental perspective. So even now, in 2022, half of Europe's ports don't have that onshore power supply infrastructure that I was just talking about. And neither do 85% of U.S. ports. That really is not on. The other thing the shipping industry should be doing is it should be mandated to have proper sewage systems in the boats. Advanced wastewater treatment systems. 
They should also be forced to publicly report on what they're doing on the high seas. What are they dumping in terms of air emissions? And what are they dumping in terms of water discharges? And what is included in what they're throwing into the ocean? But unless IMO is completely overhauled, or governments get their act together, or both, the best we can hope for is to move ultra-fast to 100% renewables everywhere in order to cut the shipping industry pollution by 40%. Now, meanwhile, please skip the well-earned luxury cruise that you were about to go on. Why? Because that ship you're getting on is just a floating garbage trash can. Thank you so much for listening to this episode 60 of the Angry Clean Energy Guy with me, Asad Razouk. And have a wonderful couple of weeks.